This is Dr. Robert Frankel. I'm an emergency medicine and anti-aging physician, and welcome to the Modern Man Podcast. In this podcast, we talk about important topics for men, which include male aesthetics, health, and wellness. But most importantly, we try to remove the stigma of male aesthetics because I think that it's important to understand what men can do for aesthetics and how important it is to for their social and psychological well-being and ultimately just to feel and look good. So take the journey with me. It's going to be okay. It's going to be fun. So enjoy it. I think the next episode will be really interesting and informative. So take a listen. Hope you enjoy it. Again, this is Dr. Rob Frankel. Enjoy the episode. Thank you. So this is part two of the Modern Man podcast of Save the Mullet, where we're going to look at the interesting, exciting treatments for hair restoration. So I think this is going to be the more interesting, exciting part of the podcast. What do you think, Zoe? I think so too. This is going to be amazing because last episode you got to hear how hair loss happens, but this episode you get to hear how to fix hair loss. Yes, and I think that this is going to be a really informative episode. I am looking forward to getting into the information and the research and all kind of what really we found works and what are the downsides to some of the treatments because I think that is really kind of the most important thing that people want to know. Yeah, what treatments work, which ones don't, and that's always a big debate online and in doctor's office, so let's get into it. Absolutely, let's do it. So, um, the first thing we're going to need to do is we're going to have to go into something that might be heading into a little bit into the weeds, but we're going we're gonna to try to do it as quickly and... Uh, painlessly as possible, we're going to need to go into the hair cycle. Be- All right. Because of the fact that the only way we're really going to understand how these treatments work and how the whole idea behind the treatments is to understand a little bit about the hair cycle. Now, we're not going to go into, you know, the specific, um, you know, mechanisms, the biological mechanisms behind it, but we're going to get a, just a brief overview of the hair cycle so that way we can kind of get an idea of, like, what is what's the really point of this and what has it really work and after this episode i'm going to be able to add a science degree to my writing degree i think so i think so so the first thing is that so the first phase the i guess the most important phase that we like to talk about is the antigen phase and so this is rapid hair growth this is the phase that we all want to be in this is the phase that we're trying to achieve because this is the phase where hair is growing and so this is the this is the phase that we are looking to achieve okay so in this phase there's there's a couple things around the hair follicles that we need to understand there's something called the dermal papillae um say that a few times fast dermal papillae yes okay i'll do it once <laughs> okay. and then there's also a bunch of germ and stem cells around the hair follicle as well that sit around it that are also there to kind of protect the follicle and also be there to 
be present and be there to nourish the follicle. And there's also a receptor that's there as well that I'm going to mention. Um, it's called 5-alpha reductase. And just, I want you to be aware of that this exists because of the fact that we're going to mention it at some other, some other point when we get to it. So, so we have some of the background material when we talk about hair follicles. The other phase that we're going to talk about is the telogenic phase. Um, so the, the, uh, no, before I get to the telogenic phase, I'm going to go back to the catagenic phase. So the catagenic phase is actually when there is loss of hair or the, the hair follicles are actually are losing or we're losing hair, the follicles are le leaving the shaft. And so when this happens, the dermal papillae is actually being lost from the follicle. So there's, a, there is an actual, uh, there's an actual decoupling of the follicle and the dermal papillae. So that would be something like trauma um, or damage that we talked about last episode. That would be one reason that would it would happen for okay. sure. Yes, absolutely. And that's in the uh, cantogen? It's the catagen phase, correct. Okay. Yes, so the catagen phase is when we're moving from the, the phase where we have rapid hair growth to a phase where we're losing hair. Now, we, we want the antigen phase to be the, the phase that we're, we're in most of the time, but you know, there's times where the catagen phase is going to be a longer phase where we're actually losing hair. And so we think about uh, the fact that, you know, the, the dermal papillae is lost, you know, at that point where the two, the two are not close to each other. Now, the next phase that I'm going to talk about is the telogenic phase. The telogenic phase is the phase where we're in rest, meaning like nothing's really happening. And this is a, this is a pretty long phase um, where the, the hair follicle we, we often talk about is dormant, right? We often talk about that nothing's really happening, the hair's not growing, the hair's not losing, it's not real, nothing's really happening. And often, you know, in this phase, you know, there's nothing really kind of growing, but there's nothing really being lost as well. And how much time is between, or how long is each phase? So it's a good, it's an excellent question. And the, the answer really is, depending upon what's going on with the, the, the person, is ver it's variable. Now, uh, the, so with like your health, your stress levels, your environment, those will determine how long or how long each phase is, and then what phase you're in. Correct. All and right. so, and that's the point. And we want to be obviously more in the rapid growth phase, the antigen phase. But a lot of people, you know, stay stuck in this telogenic phase, or they, on worse, they get in, you know, into this catagenic phase where they're actually actively losing, you know, hair. And so that's. You know, when we talked about the telogenic effu effluvium, the patients, when they're very stressed, they're actively moving from the anagenic phase into that catagenic phase, and they're quickly losing hair, and that's a real problem. Oh, that doesn't sound good. No, that's not good at all. And so we think about, uh, we think about like, what is, what's happening when 
we're in the dormant phase or the the telogenic phase and getting into the uh, the anagenic phase the major thing that happens is the dermal papillae needs to kind of connect with the follicle and that essentially creates a trigger and so that's the trigger essentially and so you think about it as like what what causes you know this to occur and so there has to be something that triggers that phase to start and so you could think about it make it simple for yourself and think about it that there's something that triggers that phase to occur and so that's really kind of what we want to achieve like we want to cause something to create dormant cells to get into the anagenic or or the growth phase all right okay so, I got this I got that science done perfect and so what we want to avoid is we want to avoid the anagenic phase from going into the catagenic phase right so that's the other trigger that we want to avoid and that's when the dermal papillae is completely uh, the dermal papillae completely goes away or disengages from the follicle and so the other mechanism that we want to try to avoid is we want to stay away from the anagenic phase going into the catagenic phase which is rapid hair loss going into hair, uh, rapid hair gain growth going into rapid hair loss okay we don't want that we definitely do not want that so then what what are treatments how do we so, how do we work with this so that's in all a, these different phases so that's exactly what we're going to talk about and so now that we have the whole the whole picture of the hair growth and we did it in a pretty efficient way i'd say we have the picture now we can talk about it in an educated way and how each one of these treatments actually work to prevent these different cycles or gain uh, the, the, create the goal that we want to, to reach. So the first thing that we talk about is that we must make sure that, you know, there's not an, a specific diagnosis with hair loss that we're missing. Um, because of the fact that sometimes there is a medical reason why people are losing their hair that has nothing to do with these phases of hair loss. So it's something that is a skin condition or any other medication that you're taking, those would be symptoms or those would be the options that you're talking about that as opposed to hair trauma or damage to the hair follicle. Correct. Okay. So that would be exactly, or, you know, because of the fact that there's sometimes there's hormonal reasons why, you know, people are losing their hair and sometimes fixing their hormones will actually, you know, re repair, you know, their, their cycle and, and create the, and stop the loss of hair as well. But yes, definitely what you're saying is skin conditions. There's, there's certain types of fungal conditions that are out there that can cause, um, you know, a, uh, loss of you know patches of hair that will have nothing to do with any of these things that we're going to talk about so anything that you do that that any any of these treatments will have no effect on those types of um, causes of hair loss so we have to make sure that we distinguish those and so that's why it's important that 
when we you know evaluate uh, each person you have to evaluate the person for these types of problems before we even even discuss like is this person a good candidate for helping them now sometimes it's an easier fix because of the fact that you could help them by treating their specific medical condition so not one size fits all that's absolutely true all right so so now we're going to talk about each different um, some of the most common uh, and some of the more cutting-edge things that you might not have even heard about um, treatments for hair loss um, than some of the ones that you might have heard of with certain tweaks that you that you might not know about that might even make it even better so let's talk about these things this is exciting let's do it all right so the first thing that you I'm sure that many of you heard of because they're it's all over TV is Minoxidil, which is um, the, the common drug name is Rogan. Right? Oh, wait, Rogan, Rogaine, right? Rogan, Rogaine, Rogaine, whatever you want to call Depends it. Depends what part of the country you're in, how that's, you pronounce it, how your accent is. That's correct. <laughs> so um, I think in Queens we call it Rogaine or <laughs> I mean in Midwest, I don't know how you call it, but I mean we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out at some point. But yes, so minoxidil actually was a blood pressure medicine. Really? So, yeah. Okay. So the original, and it still is actually a blood pressure medicine. It never changed. It's still, it actually still, people use it for blood pressure. Um, but what they found is that when people were taking it for blood pressure, they were growing hair, sometimes in places that they wanted to grow hair, and sometimes in places they did not want to grow hair. Wow. <laughs> exactly. So um, when they realized that, well, the good people at um, the good people at I don't know who actually makes Rogaine, Medoxin, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. I forgot which company makes it. But they said, well, hey, this is this is a winner for us. Uh, just like when Allergan realized that, hey, this headache, uh, this headache injection actually makes people's wrinkles go away let's use it for that instead of headaches because that's going to be much more profitable for us and that's how botox was created that's right how is a, a headache and a migraine treatment first that's correct oh i didn't know that yes. well there you go there's the add that to the list of things i can do to build up my science degree that's right the history <laughs> of botox was that it was fda approved for headaches and had nothing to do with oh, wrinkles but interesting but all of a sudden those headaches the people were having less head pain and they were having less wrinkles too and they so, looked younger sounds good they, to me and uh, all of a sudden next thing you know so yes and so minoxidil um does work by helping um, helping the telogenic phase be triggered into the, the anagenic phase. So it does help by producing the follicles to move into uh, hair growth. And so you do see, you know, buds of hair growing after you often use it topically. You can actually use it orally as well. There are um, preparations where you use it orally. The problem with it using orally, it's harder to control. And again, like they 
you know, they did it, um, you know, they realized early on is that you can grow hair in other places other than your scalp when you take it orally. So, you know, by just um, putting it on your scalp, it's going to affect um, your scalp mostly. And, um, and that's where the, that's where the method of action is going to be present. Um, so that's, was a good thing. Um, minoxidil, I think we, we mentioned earlier in the first podcast, has about a 40% effective rate. So, you know, as you know, when I, when I, we, we talked about that the first week and I told the producer that, um, her response was what? <laughs> just like that. That's just how producer Joanne goes. So what? Right. What do you mean 40%? Correct. So that's uh, crazy. They've been selling working at CVS target, every drug store across the country. And it only has a 40% but you have to understand that what that means is that for 40% of the people, it works 100% of the time. So that means that it doesn't work for 100% of the people, but for 40% of the people, it works, it works really well. Okay, so you mean if we give it to 100 people, it doesn't work 40% of your head, of your head for all 100 people. It works very well for 40% of those 100 people. That's right. Gotcha, okay. Right. So that's what, yeah, that's what you have to understand. So it's not like, you know, oh my God, like 40% of my head is great, but the other 60% looks terrible. So no, but it works, it works, it works well for 40% of the people. But it, I mean, the efficacy is, you know, like less than, less than half of the people. But, but what, you know, what they, what we found though, is that if you can, add certain other products and certain other reasons why people have problems with hair loss and even kind of kind of decrease how can we stop people going from the anagenic phase in uh, going from the anagenic phase to the catagenic phase how would we how do we do that and would that help the efficacy of the um of, uh, of uh, minoxidil. What do you think? I mean, is there something you can add? Or are you making your own cocktail? I think that we can. And I think that, you know, if you actually kind of add to the idea behind that minoxidil works really well at producing the rest or dormant follicles from going from dormancy to um, to the the uh, anagenic phase which is the you know hair producing stage but how can we stop it from going from the hair producing fall uh, uh, phase to the hair lo losing phase that would be even better because that that would make the efficacy work better and so, yeah, you can actually do things within the formula to actually do both. And so things like adding Retin-A, and Retin-A is vitamin A, which is really great for, you know, a lot of things, but it's also, it's really good for inf inflammation. And one of the reasons why we start having problems with hair loss is because of the fact that when 
the follicle becomes inflamed, it's going to start to produce, and just like damage, you know, it, it becomes damaged and it starts to go into the hair loss cycle. So going from the anagenic to the catagenic phase is because of the fact that it becomes inflamed or damaged. And so by stopping the inflammation by using things like alizelic uh, acid and by using Retin-A and even hydrocortisone, these are things that actually will prevent it going from anagenic phase into the catagenic phase and it actually increase the eff efficacy of minoxidil. Oh, that's so interesting. So would you be using these topically as well or do you take it orally? I would, I would say we'd use them topically. And I think that we can absolutely, you know, make the efficacy. So, you know, here at Simply Aesthetics, we do, um, we do, we are working on formulas to increase the efficacy because, you know, our approach always is to say that the best way to really do this, there's no silver bullet, like we said before, but if you kind of use all the different approaches and you you use all the different approaches and you try to um, you know increase each efficacy you will be able to get the best results so that sounds great so is that something we're gonna concoct here at Simply Aesthetics to offer our patients in the future well we're not gonna concoct it right here in this office but yes we are we have a friendly pharmacist who is helping us concoct it. Shout out to pharmacist Ehab. He always is great to work with, comes in really clutch. Yes, yes. So pharmacist Ehab in Ann Arbor, Michigan um, is really good, uh, a good partner for us. He does help us with um, all our needs and um, he, is, he is working day and night for us to um, listen to my rants about what I think is going to be the best way for us to help minoxidil become more efficient. That's amazing. That's yeah. so exciting. I can't wait to see what you guys come up with. Yeah. So that's the first kind of idea. So second, the second thing that we'll talk about is um, another medication that's been out there for a long time. And that's Propecia. Uh, finasteride is the uh, common name. Propecia is the kind of name that you've heard on the TV screens. And so what Propecia does is it blocks the um, receptor that you've heard, 5-alpha um, reductase. I talked about that earlier. And that's one of the receptors that is going to, is going to stop the production of um, two things. It's going to stop the production of um, DHT, which is dihydroxytestosterone, but it's also going to stop the production, the um, phase of, it's basically stopping um, the antigen phase going into the catagen phase, which is a good thing. So there's a couple of things about Propecia and Finasteride. Um, it's effective um, in the fact that it does decrease um, the the phasing of going from the, you know, very active hair growth phase into the hair loss phase, which is great. The problem with Propecia, though, it does have some side effects.
things. And so I need to talk about these. So does it have side effects on men and women? So first of all, Propecia does not work on women at all. Oh, okay. So, so that's probably why I haven't heard this. This is not as in circulation that I'm aware of. Correct. Okay. So finasteride Propecia is ineffective for women because um, the receptors are not, I'm not, I, I'm not even sure that they are even present in women, but if they are, they're not a, uh, a large part of how the hair cycling occurs in women. So, okay, so then what are the side effects for men? So for men, they essentially um, are causing um, low T symptoms, um, which, you know, if you've heard, you know, our podcast before, we don't like low T symptoms. And for those that you don't know what low T is, it's Dr. Frankel's referring to low testosterone. That's correct. Yes. Okay. So it will affect your libido. It will cause... Uh, breast tenderness. I mean, essentially, what it's doing is it's increasing your it's increasing your the effect of estrogen on your body compared to your testosterone. So it's going to increase um, that. Um, it's going to increase swelling, um, you know, in your hands and feet, um, and it's also um, going to um, possibly cause, um, you know. Uh, erectile dysfunction as well oh that is not those are not things that I want to tell a patient when recommending this treatment I know a lot of guys that would say you know what never mind I'll deal with my hair loss but I don't want to deal with all those other symptoms that's correct so I mean there are definitely lots of doctors who recommend this um, and actually prescribe it um, we are not one of them no, we are not. <laughs> but, um, but, like I said, you know, it does. It is effective for the reason why it does. You know, it does stop the um, hair growth phase from going into the hair loss phase. However, with the side effects that are present, um, I just I just feel like it's not going to be, um, you know, the best the best course of action. No, that doesn't sound like an option route that I would want to take. Now, for women, since we're we are going to talk about women with hair loss as well, happens to all of us. Absolutely. So, with women, you know, one of the reasons why women do lose hair is because of actually they produce too much testosterone. Um, they you hear about like um, the fact that you know they you you can grow hair. Um, um, you know, in certain areas on your face because of high testosterone, but they also can lose hair on their scalp because of high testosterone as well. Um, and so this is, can occur because of the fact that um, there's a condition out there that's called uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. So PCOS, I've heard, I know a lot of women with that condition. Now you could have PCOS without having any ovarian cysts. Correct. Even, even though it's called polycystic ovarian syndrome. It sounds like a misnomer because of the fact that um, it's called polycystic ovarian syndrome. But... You can have the other symptoms without having cysts in your ovaries? Right. Correct. Okay. 
So the major thing is the hormonal changes. And one of the major hormonal changes is that you will have elevated testosterone levels. Um, you women know. do not like that. Right. So one of the major problems with that is that it can create cause hair loss. So one of the major, uh, major treatments that some, some women are put on are something called spironolactone. Now, spironolactone is a diuretic. It's a, it's a blood pressure medicine and a diuretic for heart failure actually is used very commonly. Um, and so, but it also does lower testosterone. So it does have the effect of lowering testosterone, but it also has the effect that if you're not a heart failure patient and you're not a patient who has high blood pressure, you're going to have all the effects of you know, this medication um, without having this problem. It also in, raises your potassium as well. So the, there's a lot of electrolyte potential imbalances that occur with spironolactone um, with the ultimate effect of lowering your testosterone. So it really kind of is kind of like a, you know, like a basket half full, basket half empty type of situation because of the fact that it really does have um, some negative effects. Um, but um, it still doesn't sound good to me. Yes. Um, but, um, look up so it's, you know, it is what it is, but, uh, it's not, it's not the best. You could take something like salt palmetto, which has less side effects and, uh, that also low testosterone, but it's, these are hard problems to, to deal with, but, um, salt palmetto actually is, and I've had patients who've had high testosterone that have, have some real success with, um, with um, giving them salt palmetto, which is much less, you know, toxic for them. So, um, so that's so I, I think that that you know would be a good option as well. Okay. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the next few, which are we're going to get into some you know some more you know interesting interesting treatments. Biotin is B7, which is a very common. Um, thing that you hear about. Absolutely. Um, Women love taking biotin gummies and supplements for hair and nail growth. I know I'm really rigid about my biotin <laughs> yeah. supplement intake. Yeah. So the interesting thing about biotin is that the studies for biotin are very kind of small and there's not a, lot, a ton of research about biotin. Oh no, he's about to debunk my routine <laughs> in the morning. All right, go for it. Sorry. No, I mean, you know, it is true that what the major kind of, um, the major research that was done was that kids who were on seizure medicine that got depleted, fully depleted in biotin, um, that was losing hair, um, when given biotin back, actually gained hair back. And so that was, that was definitely true. Okay. So that, so full deficiency of biotin, um, will make you lose hair for sure. A hundred percent. But it's hard to say that without like full deficiency that biotin does much of anything because there's been very little research done on biotin. Um, you know, like without knowing that the person was deficient or not. 
Oh, it could all be psychosomatic then. It's possible. <laughs> but again, okay. like it's hard to really say because there's not a lot of research on vitamins in general. And there's a reason for that. Do you know the reason why? No, I don't know why. Because the pharmaceutical companies don't make any money on vitamins. Oh, they can't because you can get them naturally or supplements and they're not creating them in a lab. That's correct. And being able to charge you hundreds or thousands of dollars for it. So no one's paying money to do do the research on it. That's right. Well, there you go. So you learn something new every day. Right. So it's hard to really say. I mean, but there's no doubt that the kids that were deficient in in biotin um, because of the seizure medicines they were on did lose hair. They gained their hair back when they were given biotin, and that's factual. Other than that, there hasn't been a lot of great studies that have shown that biotin has been incredibly effective for hair or nails. Um, A lot of it has been more antidotal, um, but I mean, we'll, you know, we'll take, we'll take it for what it is. Um, And I, I mean, I think that biotin is, uh, you know, I think that, I, I think for the research that we have, it's worth taking. It has, there's no negative effects. It's a water soluble vitamin, so it's impossible to be toxic to your system. So I can't OD on biotin. That's correct. All right, that's good to know. So I would, I would say that I'll, I'll give it a thumbs up um, with an understanding that we don't have a, a ton of research on it. Okay, but it's also not going to cause kidney failure in me, so that's I'll, correct. I'll keep taking it <laughs> just in case. So I don't, I didn't completely debunk or destroy your, you know, biotin. Um, Obsession. Okay, great. I'll take it. (laughs) All right. right, Next, we're going to talk about some things that do have a lot of research. So the first thing we're going to talk about is low-level laser therapy. That's a handful, a mouthful, actually. (laughs) Low-level laser therapy. Yes. Okay. So low-level laser therapy is interesting. I'm going to show you for the people watching on YouTube. Um, uh, what the device looks like, and so low-level laser therapy. I don't think I turn it. The handpiece that we have um, for those of you listening at home, uh, Dr. Frankel is showing that it looks like a bicycle helmet. A bicycle helmet, and so basically, what what we found is that what they found is that they've done a lot of research on this. And so what is the whole point of low-level laser therapy? And so the idea behind it is that if you put a laser at a certain temperature, what is, is, is it, will it have a certain effect? And so you know, Zoe, that whenever I find out about something, I have to know the full historical facts about it. Yes, that's one of the best things about conversating with you is that you have a well full of historical details, which as a history nerd, I appreciate it. So what is the history behind low-level light laser? So in the 1960s, a Hungarian physician was looking at different type of laser to be able to um, look at cancer treatments. And he was looking actually to see whether laser actually increases cancer or decreases cancer. And so he was actually putting these um, lasers on mice. Now, the thing about these mice was that they weren't losing or gaining cancer, but what they were doing is they were gaining hair on their back. Oh, so these little mohawk looking mice 
were just running around? Yeah. They were, you know, probably going to the playground and realizing that, hey, I got a lot of hair on my back. Oh, they probably got made fun of. Oh. <laughs> so they uh so so of course you know this you know the the idea now is that so how did the how did this whole idea come about so what they found is that at a certain wavelength and what the wavelength that we were going to find that is most common is 600 uh, 650 nanometers um, there's a certain wavelength that if you put it on the scalp and it can't be too hot right so we talked about when something's too hot, it could actually damage like the follicle. Right, we don't want that. And if it's not too hot, so if you, if it's a certain temperature that's not too hot, it actually can produce, cause the blood vessels to actually start to kind of grow. And so this is the whole idea behind the low-level laser light therapy. So at a certain temperature and a certain laser wavelength, you start getting what's called angiogenesis, which is you start producing blood vessels at the at this temperature, um, and so there actually has been for patients who had telogenic effluvium a lot of research with patients who had stress-related hair loss, and they found they had great results with these patients. Um, they had an increase, you know. So what they did was they put they put patients in a group would with the low level la low level light laser and a, just a red light laser like just like the red light you see in Halloween like people Oh okay so not okay so just a regular red light for yeah. the holidays So people are like oh I'm on a red light I'm like and they didn't realize that it was, it was nothing Okay and the other person the other patients actually had the laser they found that the patients who had the laser had an almost a 40 to 80% increase in hair growth compared to the people who were in the placebo group. Wow, that's even, that sounds like better odds than Rogaine. Absolutely. So, I mean, so what, we, what they found is that, you know, these people were really, kind of did really well with, um, you know, with, with the, um, with the low level light laser and they really did you know they got some really good good treatments and they overall had some you know excellent um, results so you know with giving you know the laser you know adding the laser to the to the overall treatment which is again very easy you know there's not a lot of downside to adding to the laser now if you if you have active cancer or anything like that, that's a contraindication because we don't know what the effects would be. But um, there's other than that, there's really very little downside to doing the laser every other day. I mean, they found that doing the laser every other day, they're getting really good results with patients, you know, doing the laser every other day, getting hair growth because of the fact that they're building these new. Um, these new blood vessels around that area and they're getting hair growth. So if you guys are watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast, this helmet, bicycle helmet looking device, we just put it over the head for a patient and for 10 to 12 minutes, you said every other day. That's right. And it's very non-invasive. It doesn't, it doesn't even touch your scalp and it doesn't burn your skin. Correct. Right. Correct. All right. See that, does not scare me. That's something I would definitely try right. for 10 to 12 minutes every other day. 
100%. Yeah, and it's not for Halloween, it's for every day. That's great. So, I think we should leave them on another cliffhanger, Dr. Frankel, and leave the magic treatment for next week. Really? I mean, this is really exciting, all the signs that we're talking about today, okay. and the hair growth cycles. I think leaving them off on a really high note with the okay. laser red light therapy, but we still have one trick up our card, or uh, one card up our sleeve okay. that I think we should save till next week. All right, because we do have, you know, actually more than one treatment left, and those two treatments are the most cutting edge part of the whole the whole thing so yes so all course. right i think we're gonna see you guys next week for part three on save the mullet yeah all right excellent so well i appreciate you we appreciate your listenership and we are almost you know at it but we definitely have the most exciting part coming up in part three so we're sorry to leave you on a cliffhanger but we really need to you know get to that most exciting part but now you have a lot of information and you're we're almost there so hang on for one more week and we will get it to you we take it very seriously here at simply aesthetics we really want to help you guys treating hair loss so go into much detail as possible and we'll get the next cutting edge treatments out to you guys next week so if you appreciate us like and subscribe to this video and we will see you next week bye guys yeah.